Today I am here with Julian Apolinario. When I first heard that y'all were doing a podcast for Victoria, I can't lie, I was pleasantly surprised by that. Last year I did a lot of work like studying in my room. I don't recommend at all. Don't shit where you eat. Especially in the beginning, towards the beginning and the end of the school year. I think everyone wants to be outside. We want to find a place to exist. And like Hart House, for example, has like one or two, but they're locked behind literal like 10 feet of stone. So I grew up in Scarborough and Scarborough has a lot of negative connotations. I was going to say, you listen to a lot of 90s rap, you said? Oh yeah, oh yeah. So you never, have you ever wanted to try your hand at it? (laughs) I'm not a criminal. I don't. Yeah. I don't sell drugs. I'm not in a gang. Even pretending that I do that type of stuff yeah. to carry on the trappings of the genre is just—it's just foolish, you know. Something I see a lot of is, you know, the free my man. He ain't—he ain't do shit type thing. Whenever <laughs> yeah. Victoria College mixed martial arts, definitely look out for that in the next couple of months. Yeah. You know, Theo, he's trying to put together a student fight night at Victoria College. So. I think that would be dope as. I- I agree. I think that would be that would be really something. North America is very not really focused on boxing. We have a big Asian martial arts population here. I just re- realized the other day. So the Vic Registrar follows VOV. They're following me to kind of spy and see what's going to be going on here yeah, in this yeah. college. It's, it's smart of them, honestly. Like, <laughs> I was talking to my cousin. She goes to college in the States. She was asking someone at her school. She's like, what stops this guy across the row from pulling out a gun and killing me right now? We had one guy who wanted to know if you could rank your top Kanye albums. My top Kanye albums are. <laughs> um, I think Juice World is great. Have you seen his freestyles? Exactly. The guy just keeps going. And Unreal. Got, at the end of the day, the thing I value the most in this world is being able to go to bed and just like sleep. I think another big thing people love to do, they love to have controversial people. They'll have like, you know, Ben Shapiro or Donald Trump on a podcast. Yeah, it does make you famous and it gives you kind of like a limelight, but like division is a very good way to gain followers. You're going to create a line between the people who agree with you, who now love you way more because mm-hmm. you're on their side exactly. and the people who now despise you because you don't stand with them both sides are giving you attention people who love you are like oh this guy's great and the people that hate you can't stop talking about how terrible you are ladies and gentlemen welcome back to the vov podcast voices of vic today i am here with julian apolinario how are you yeah, of course. Been uh, doing all right. Happy to be here. It's uh, when I first heard that y'all were doing a podcast for Victoria. I can't lie, I was uh, I was pleasantly surprised by that. You know, but it doesn't surprise me too much now. I guess you know a yep. lot of Vic people. We're always doing something. It's something like I really love about the community here. So yep. you know, nice to see uh, that become that become what it has been. Kind of a little institution for our uh, our generation, I guess. Hundred percent. No, it's great. How how are you involved in the Vic community? Like, what do you guys do? Well, you know, I think with uh, with a lot of Vic, one of the big things that I was always uh, I always kind of loved was kind of jumping in and out of events, kind of being present on campus and seeing what was going on. Yeah. Uh, I guess. Uh in a lot of ways, more directly, it would have been with the Strand, the newspaper. I've been writing for newspapers for a really long time now. So, yep. you know, when I saw the Strand for the first time, I picked a, I picked one up, and I think it was the love and sex issue, like, a year or two ago. Okay. And it was just, I couldn't believe that this was the type of stuff that we could publish. I was so shocked. It was, yeah. you know, it was very kind of uh, funny and in your face, you know, and I really appreciated that. So, I really kind of made me want to get involved in that when I first came to U of T. So, that was uh, kind of the way that got started, I guess. But, uh, you know, since then, I like to kind of jump in and out of activities, keep it on Instagram. When, uh, whenever there's kind of gatherings, I like to show up. But uh, yeah. yeah, that's awesome. And the Victoria College community, we talked about this with Glenn because he ran his whole campaign about yes, uh, yes. about making sure that all the colleges can interact with each other in U of T, not just Victoria with Victoria. Mm. Like, do you involve yourself with U of T at large or like the college mainly? That's a good question. I would definitely say U of T at large. Like, to be honest, as much as I do love Victoria, I find myself kind of gravitating towards a lot of different parts of U of T for different reasons. Like, um, I'll say, for example, like, uh, 
one of the big things I kind of credit with uh, helping me ease into U of T was the uh, university college kind of publication, The Gargoyle, right? That had a very welcoming community. What is really, that? What is that? So uh, The Gargoyle started out as kind of the usual, uh, like, you know, usual college newspaper, but eventually a lot of the staff members and the people who kind of uh, started gravitating towards it sort of made it more of like an avant-garde type of zine, like Got you kind of would have seen the 80s, very... Uh, yeah very uh, community-oriented, uh, community kind of made together by people. Uh, it's really nice because you actually assemble that physically. It's a very unique uh, time, type of uh, way to put something together. So yeah. uh, the people there and the kind of atmosphere that we, you know, that was able to uh, cultivate, I, I found was uh, really helpful with sort of uh, getting ingrained in the overall UT community. But uh, beyond that, you know, uh, you know, I think a lot of it comes to where you spend your time. So, you know, I'll be around New College, all the different libraries. And once you really start to find like a physical space that you can exist in properly at U of T, I would say that uh, you can, you're able to sort of detach yourself from being solely focused on your college, which I think is a bit of a mistake if you can, yeah. uh, best one to avoid. 100%, I absolutely agree. One thing that I've been doing this year mainly, last year I did a lot of work like studying in my room, which mm. is not, I, I don't recommend at all. Likewise, right? Likewise. Like, you know the saying, don't where you don't shit where you eat don't exactly. eat where you whatever it is yeah, don't shit where you eat don't shit where you eat hmm. that's that's how i feel about studying just like in here you need to find a place on campus doesn't really matter where it is but what i've been doing is structuring my week so that i don't go to the same building more than once a week hmm. so i'll go to robarts on tuesday i'll go to the rotman building on wednesday and then i'm at the law building on thursday just to break it up and not give my mind this kind of i guess comfortable feeling of of just existing yeah no i agree totally like being comfortable is a lot of people want comfortable but i think when it's in a situation where you are already very safe it's best to kind of push yourself out of your comfort zone you know leave some of that material comfort of your own house behind and then go try to find somewhere else to sort of exist like i totally agree with that 100%. and i think some of the construction around like king's college circle for, for example has definitely been a big detriment and sort of finding that outdoor space especially like yeah. you know especially in the beginning towards the beginning and the end of the school year we're supposed I think everyone wants to be outside. We want to find a place to exist. But yeah. because that big communal space isn't available, unlike the libraries, right, we're kind of forced back towards the colleges, you know, Trin Quad, Vic Quad, whatever it is. And it's really just not a not a good time, not good for the overall UT community. That's true. That's completely true. I was, the other day I was sitting at uh, Sid, uh, not Sid, yeah, Sid Smith, mm -hmm. Sid Smith Arts and Science Building. And there's a little outdoor pad there, but like nothing really at U of T other than the King Circle it's like what is it a field they're, they're a huge recreation yeah, space yeah. they're building Giants. other than that is not a whole lot of of um of places i go to where you can just sit and study in the sun no exactly. I mean? sun's important exactly exactly yeah. and like heart house for example has like one or two but they're locked behind literal like you know 10 feet of stone like that's yeah, stone yeah. walls protecting a tiny courtyard it's like what is that you know we need that big communal space because i think yeah. u of t we already suffer for being in the city because right. you know we don't have that campus culture that a lot of other places you know queens western waterloo we don't have that because we're in the city right so having that one big green space i think is like already so important and the fact that we kind of missed out on that for the past like what year and a half two years yeah. it's already at the acting at the detriment for a lot of people at UT. Good point. Yeah. I mean there is there is Queens Park, but once again, that's not exactly campus um campus material, if you want to call it that. No, for sure, for sure. It's a public space. You know, anyone can and will be there. You know, yeah. you can't expect that to Including be a UT the homeless. Space. 
I mean, yeah, for sure, for sure. There's that problem too, right? Yeah, no, I think U of T, we, I remember when I first came to Vic, I heard something and I've been thinking about this for a long time. I was always uh, curious as to why Vic wasn't open 24 seven, like, you know, like uh, some of the buildings, libraries, all this type of, you know, rec spaces, Cat's Eye, for example. Yeah. And they told me, oh, we don't want members of the community walking into these spaces, right? right? And when I heard that for the first time, I thought that was very, uh, a very condescending type of way to, I guess, speak about, speak about the homeless. We're kind yeah. of trying to like whitewash or, you know, try to like cover up this, uh, yeah. this atmosphere. But, you know, I have, you know, having been at Vic for a long time and having actually worked in, um, in Nets Cafe, I did observe that, yes, there were a lot that we often do get homeless people coming in and out of the, uh, in, in and out of the facilities. Yeah. I don't, I don't, personally, I don't think that's inherently a bad thing, but yeah. it was obviously people with uh, more severe issues that, that, uh, you know, that can kind of disrupt student life and kind of add an element of danger that is regretfully found at U of T, but even worse over at uh, TMU Ryerson. Oh, 100%. Mm. 100%. And first year, I went down there because my friend went to Ryerson. So we went to meet up. It's completely different. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. It's completely different. The, the, we have to give props to the campus security here. Oh, for sure. For I don't sure. know how they do it, but as soon as you step onto Young Street, it's like flips the city. It's completely different. Yeah, like I think... I, I love Young Street, and I think east of Young, while it definitely has certain aspects that make it a little bit like, you know, a little bit seedier to say, yeah. it's also what kind of makes it makes it kind of more interesting in a lot of respects. Like, I think... Uh, in what way? Well, I think you can kind of look at New York as a good example of that. Like, yeah. Brooklyn and the Bronx specifically took a were kind of known to be spots of danger for a long period of time. Like, if you listen to, like, a lot of 90s rap like I do, a lot of people reference, like, Brooklyn, Bushwick, all these areas as places, like, you know, you don't want to be after a certain time. It's like you should, you should, uh, yeah. you know, you got to be careful in those areas. And now you have all these, like, writers, artists, creatives flocking towards these areas, causing a lot of gentrification. And I'm thinking we're seeing that in a lot of Toronto, too. Like, west of Young, I think, has become in many ways, like very, very gentrified. Like south of Bloor, west of Young is truly downtown Toronto. It's a commercial area. It's yeah. a lot of it is kind of centered around, maybe not centered around tourists, but it's very safe for tourists. But once yeah. you start getting east of, east of uh, Young and north of Bloor, that's when you start to get into kind of more uh, the culturally safe, culturally existent areas of Toronto where you can see more of the real city, I would say. Yeah, hundred percent. Would you just would you want to explain gentrification for the people? Yeah, in the, yeah the for pond? sure, for sure. So uh, gentrification, big I, word, right, for some viewers. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, so I mean, uh, you guys have probably heard that thrown around a fair bit nowadays, I guess. Um, so gentrification from what I, I guess can be best summed up is when we start to get areas of uh, areas that are perhaps not so safe, not so um, tend to be a lot more affordable, poor, you know, not so, a little bit more crime, for example, and they start to get, they start to get cleaned up. But that in but by cleaning that up, you're kind of pricing out people who used to live there, causing a lot of the reasons why people without a lot of without a lot of money, a lot of access to uh, a lot of access to services could live in those areas, kind of kicking them out of their out of their homes. So it's yeah. kind of a, a very mixed bag, I think. It creates a lot of areas where people want to live, but it also you know makes the original inhabitants there kind of unable to live there. So it's very unfortunate in certain respects. Hundred percent. So where where did you grow up then? So I grew up in Scarborough, and Scarborough has a lot of negative connotations. I grew up, yeah. um, I'll, I did not grow up in what we'll say like that part of Scarborough. Yeah. I grew up essentially in Pickering, like very, uh, very east. I was, I grew up in one of the last buses in the city, so okay. like well east, damn near in Pickering, right? Yeah. So it's, I can't say that I've, uh, can't say I've seen too much of the uh, the bad side of uh, bad side of the city, right. but. I also I also consider uh, Corso Italia to be kind of let's say home away from home because that's where I spent my my four years of high school there. I didn't go okay. to school in my uh, in my neighborhood so much. I commuted a, a long distance to uh, Corso Italia, so yeah. always gonna love that place. That's awesome. And you're you're half Italian. You said half half Filipino? Italian, half Filipino. Yes. That's awesome. What do you think? What about the Italian culture? Because 
I, I feel like you definitely look Italian. The mustache <laughs> for sure. Yeah, for sure, for sure. I was rocking the mustache this time last oh, year. I gotta love the mustache. Gotta love it, yeah. Yeah. Half Mexican, so you know that's where I get. Oh, very nice, from. very nice. Um, are you saying so? Are you saying uh, how do I feel about uh, the Italian culture in Toronto, or about more with myself? Just, personally? just like personal for you, like explain what it would be like to grow up with with that kind of culture. Like, was it right. very so like culturally Italian in the hmm. house, for example? So I would say in. It really depended. So I was, uh, I, I'm a very lucky person in the respect that I was both raised by both my parents and my grandparents in large respect, right? So yep. my parents, obviously, they were always there for me, but they worked a lot. And my grandparents who were retired, they actually took care of me a lot, especially when I was younger, from about the age of, we'll say, like, 1 to 14, I yep. was with my grandparents a lot. So nice. I got a pretty good, I got a, a taste of, I'll say, the Italian culture, but I didn't get the immigrant culture so much in the same way got that it. my parents did. A lot of people who grew up with immigrants, their um, immigrant parents, they recognize a lot of there's a lot of similarities in terms of kind of like strictness and adherence to kind of like old country values. Yeah. I definitely don't think I got that as much, but I, I got less of a taste of, uh, less of the discipline and more of the overall, um, I'll say uh, surface level and medium level culture, we'll say that. Got so, it, got it. Yeah, no, so your, your parents were born in Canada then? Uh, yeah, so my, well, not all my parents. So my, my father was born in the Philippines. He was born in Manila. And my, uh, my mother was actually Quebecois. So they lived, she oh, lived okay. in Quebecois until she was 18. Then she was, uh, she went to TMU Ryerson back then for uh, university. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, no, I would say, uh, I love being Italian. It's a great, uh, it's a great uh, half of my culture. I'm very, uh, very lucky to to be in North America in that respect. You know, a great yeah. community. A lot of people kind of recognize your recognize a, a big part of your identity just yeah. by knowing that background side of you, which 100%. I think is great. Um, you know, a lot of people are willing to cater to your culture. Lots of Italian kind of cultural events, restaurants. You're never really far from far from, I guess, what is familiar to you in that respect. Yeah. Uh, but you know, I've yeah, I've always loved it. I've always appreciated it. Being able to speak the language, you know, like not very well, but you know, kind of make the food connect to certain aspects of my history too which is something i've been trying to do as i get older it's uh no it's a wonderful thing i really uh i really i really love it and what are you studying i study history actually history right indeed and i have to think like it makes sense that you're part of the strand and you're studying history right it's a lot of writing oh yeah what what made you want to join the strand and has it helped you with with school like at large Hmm. well I would say definitely. So the Strand is something that I definitely haven't been involved in so much as the Gargoyle, but it's definitely something that I've uh, I've definitely appreciated in making me work on my writing. But yeah. how has it kind of helped me with school? I would say that a lot of it is just comes down to practice at the end of the day, right? So there's very different types of writing, academic versus personal versus, you know, commercial, copywriting, journalism, whatever. And I think being able to do more than one type of writing, it's just, uh, you know, it's just it's just another skill like uh, yeah. like going to the gym for example being able to do being good at one type of lift doesn't mean you're good at another right so something like that so um, i think honestly the more time you spend writing the better you're going to get at writing like, does, does this apply to writing lyrics writing lyrics i would say so i would say so like i um i've i don't write a lot of music i would occasionally write like you know i guess like poetry and a little bit of rap music when i was having that time and yeah. uh, i was I was going to say, you listen to a lot of 90s rap, you said? Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. So you never, have you ever wanted to try your hand at it? (laughs) Uh, I guess so, I guess so, but I don't... I think it's one of those things where a lot of a lot of rap music in general comes from a very different background than I have. You know, I a see. lot of uh, a lot of impo- a lot of poverty, a yeah. lot of struggle that I just don't feel that it's really the genre that I could really I could put much I could put much into. A lot of it kind of be- right? exactly. Yeah. A lot of it kind of becomes like surface level, and I don't like you know I don't want to ha- be affiliated with something uh, something that I'm not. You know, I don't I'm not a, I'm not a criminal. I don't <laughs> I don't sell drugs. I'm not in a gang. And like trying to even pretending that I do that type of stuff yeah. to kind of carry on the trappings of the genre is just it's just foolish you know it's like yeah. you have to you should be authentic in your music 100%. but uh, no with uh, with writing i think
think definitely you uh, you gain a lot of understanding of backgrounds, things you can reference in your lyrics, for example, different ways of structuring things, you know, what sounds good, good vocabulary. So, of course, I think uh, any type of writing will help any other type of writing, I'd say. Why do you think that rap has that, that culture to it? Like, I mean, you can go into a deep, deep history, but like in, let's say, it's, it's, I feel like it's grown to a very, like you said, crime and drugs and well, that, a lot of that does come from poverty, but... I don't like rap wasn't like this in the 90s like you say you listen to a lot of rap. Oh for sure. No, rap was always like this and it all kind of always has been. So But I mean, uh, but nowadays I feel like it's gotten to such a more explicit violent level or do you don't you don't think so oh no i think it's always been like this just yeah. uh people people love to paint this uh paint the 20th century as this point where it's like oh everything was nowadays we're so vulgar and we do this that and the other but people have been making explicit music and music about like serious topics since the dawn of time right yeah. but even if you go from the beginning right like rap music did start out as purely kind of like a party thing right but this right. was in the 80s this is the coke era for the united states right yeah. like for example one of the big like rap pop stars was a guy called curtis blow blow okay. is yeah. So okay. already yeah. we have that, right? And by the late '80s, we're already getting like stuff like Public Enemy talking about like you know pretty severe like social disruption, right? Because they you know because of the because uh, of the racism they're facing as black people, right? Yeah. And all of a sudden you get N.W.A. That's '89 more or less, right? You get an Easy Boys in the Hood. That's already talking about pulling a sawed-off shotgun out of your car and shooting some guy because he's taken over. You know, yeah. it's like it's that was that was 40, 50 years ago. It hasn't. Sure, there have been some stuff that's been more explicit, like once you start getting into like, kind of like horrorcore, for example, that can get pretty serious, yeah. but it's always been violent, and there's always been that element of, element of drugs and element of crime, because that is often the reality of the people who either were involved in those types of lifestyles or were just kind of surrounded by it growing up. So they kind of have that, uh, yeah. they kind of have that, they can take, you can kind of take that on their authority. It's interesting nowadays, though, because I feel like rap has grown so huge. You could argue it's one of the most, the biggest genres in the States, right? I think you could, for sure. And... It's like, do you see that it could be influencing people that aren't from that background? So yeah, no, I think it's, I think it's, I think it's funny. I, I mean, I am basically one of those people. I'm not going to pretend I'm right, not. Right. Um, I think it's important to kind of acknowledge who you are and kind of ground yourself yeah, if you yeah, like yeah. that type of music. Like, yeah. know that you're not the one in like in Brooklyn hustling. You got to like remember that end <laughs> of the day, right? It's like you can appreciate the art, but don't think you're the artist. You know? That's so. yeah, that's true. That's hundred percent. I listened to a song. Recently, it's a good song. It's by, uh, it's by Polo G. It's oh. called Bloody Canvas. I don't know oh. if you've heard it. Yeah. But it basically tells a story of, of how crime is still so prevalent in some of these communities. Hmm. And, and the way he talks about it is basically it's this, it sounds like this young black kid who was in whatever, a poor community. And they were just kids, you know, they're playing basketball and then they get into a fight with another group and the fight leads to violence and they someone on their side kills one of his friends and it's the, you should listen to the song i can't really explain it i i obviously can't relate but this it, it just he walks through the logic of how of how the crime is still around so much today and and how it can sometimes it makes sense like if someone if someone kills your best friend we talk about it now like i always talk about hypothetical situations of what is when is it appropriate to to kill another person right like is every single sure. is every single murder unjustified but so as an example if someone killed your mom and you killed mm. them in rage uh -huh. that's not the same as a, as a serial murder no. obviously no no like so it's, it's interesting how in the song he he just explains the the how the crime goes the way it goes 
Yeah, no, that's fair. So he's kind of uh, not providing a justification, but I like the I like the way you kind of phrase it, like a logical a logical train of thought that you can follow as to why people yeah. would fall into this type of lifestyle. And yeah. I think like I think it's important to note that a lot of people like I, I would agree. It's like people don't choose people don't wake up one day and decide they're gonna start like d selling drugs and doing this type of you know c killing people, yeah. robbing people, whatever. It's that's not some that's not like a a decision that you just make for fun, right? It's, it's a serious decision. It's often born out of you know like something very traumatic that's happened to you. In this case. Perhaps it was the murder of a best friend or a family member, yeah. you know, someone being surrounded by an atmosphere where you have a lot of people who are like, you know, addicted and going through those physical symptoms, you know, the kind of desperation. And yeah, no, for sure. Like, I think it's, I don't think you should ever look at crime and say, oh, this is just, this is just something that happens because people want money and they are too lazy, they're yeah. too lazy to work. It's like, yeah. no, this is, there's obviously real, like, you know real problems, underlying reasons why people do this type of stuff, you know? Yeah. And no, it's definitely worth looking into and. And yeah, no, it's 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 easy. It's hard. It's easy to complain about crime. And it's easy to say how you would never do that in their position when you're sitting in your, you know, perfectly sitting in front of your perfectly manicured garden, million dollar house, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Like it's a different. It's completely different upbringing. You never had to struggle for food on the table. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, of course not. And I think that's like that's where you start to get a lot of like this kind of strange disconnect between uh, between people who don't live those types of lifestyles and people who you know and the people who do live those types of lifestyles and make those types of music. Like you know, kind of uh, like on this topic, it's like something I see a lot of is uh, you know the free my man he ain't, he ain't do shit type thing. Whenever <laughs> whenever some whenever a musician gets like arrested nowadays, I feel like you can't scroll on like World Star Six Buzz, like any type of any type of like music outlet with everyone uh, you know mugshot posted. Everyone's like, oh you know get him get him out of here. He didn't really strangle those babies. It's like yeah. I'm, it's like, <laughs> yeah. It's I know like, you're it's, talking about. Yeah, it's a bit of a it's it's a it's a weird thing to me, you know, and I. I can agree. I can agree with the fact that a lot of the time when people are put behind, put in jail, like the justice system is very corrupt in a lot of respects. And you know, I mean, this is just two guys talking end of the day. Like, yeah. so I mean, what what am I really saying about this? But <laughs> yeah, justice system is very corrupt, and a lot of people don't deserve to be in jail. But I think a lot of the times with these celebrities, we give them way too much of a way too much kind of kind of like a white, uh, you know, like a. You know, we kind of wave them off. You know, pass. Yeah, too much exactly. leeway. Exactly. You know, just because you're rich and you make music doesn't mean that you should that you shouldn't have to suffer for the things that you've done. You know, not Absolutely. not suffer, but at least you know. No, you pay know, pay the price. Exactly. Have some type of uh, have some type of punishment, or you know, at least at least pay it back towards the community or the people that you've that you've hurt. So. Hundred percent. Yeah, it's completely true. No, but you make a good point. There are a lot of those. Yeah, free my man. He he yeah. ain't do shit. It's Guy just... is accused of like fifty counts of murder. Exactly. Right. It's like. <laughs> It's like man, it's a, it's an unfortunate thing. Like uh, yeah. you look at like Suge Knight, for example, a big record producer back in the day, right? This guy was uh, this guy like what they finally got him on is he he was out there. He's been committing crimes and you know kind of been involving himself in a lot of violence for a long period of time, kind of strong arming people, really terrible stuff, you know, financial crimes on top of that. To finally get put in jail, from what I understand, he had to commit vehicular manslaughter in broad daylight, mm -hmm. and like that guy had been doing. Essentially, the guy had been committing crimes for like 20, 30 years, yeah. right? And it took him until he was literally gray and gray in hair, like, you know, barely able to stand up in court when yeah. they finally got him. It's crazy. Like. Unreal. Yeah, and it's, and just to circle back, like, when I talk about the, the reasons that some of these crimes happen, obviously not justifying it, but if you want to help some of these scenarios, if you want to help some of these communities and if you want to genuinely change something, you have to start by understanding what's bringing them to that point. Hmm. You know what I mean? Oh, for sure. So we'll move on from that topic. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Definitely. You are big into martial arts. There's a lot. I saw there's a lot that you do. Yeah, not just yeah. boxing, but jujitsu, Brazilian well, jujitsu. 
Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. I, um, How do you get into that stuff? Well, it's, uh, I shouldn't overstate the fact, like, I shouldn't say that I'm any good at it, but it's something that's kind of been a part of my life for a long time, so I figured yeah. it's kind of worth, uh, it's something I've always kind of continued in one way or another throughout my life, so it's... It, uh, wasn't, it wasn't from Joe Rogan? No, no, Jesus, no. no. <laughs> well, that's a, you know, a, a, kind of a side thing. Like, Joe Rogan, I didn't, I didn't know he was a podcaster or a mixed martial artist. I was yeah. really big into stand-up comedy when I was 14, and I'd heard his, like, he had, like, a, a lot of his jokes are just about, like, smoking weed and stuff. When yeah. I was 14, I thought that was, like, the most, like, highbrow shit ever. It was, you know, <laughs> like, uh, not the best, like, media illiteracy will say but you know i didn't know he was he was into any of the martial arts stuff but yeah. uh uh you yeah, know that uh, that aside yeah so when i was uh, real young for some reason my parents picked uh, jiu-jitsu i think it was because they didn't want me like striking as a kid they wanted me to learn how to grapple i guess i don't that's very i don't know my mom thought that out real well when i was a kid but apparently <laughs> that's what that that's what i went into so i did about like a year or two of jiu-jitsu when i was like real young yeah. um took a break from that went into kind of like uh kind of like an aikido like bit of an aikido bit of uh, taekwondo type thing a bit sort of a, one of those new age martial arts kind of say uh, which had a bit of a uh, bit of this bit of that and uh once i was in high school took a bit of a break from that now i've uh, kind of begun to dip my toes in the boxing which i've uh, i've been really enjoying so far that's cool are, are you like doing it off campus or is it a club at u of t is so, what is it so uh, this so how it started right there was actually it's actually a vic it started kind of as a vic communal thing which is kind of another example of why one of the reasons i like this community so much right yeah. so um there were two guys who would sort of train together uh, cameron and sid right and i would see on instagram sometimes they would be boxing in a gym and i i remember at one point uh, one of them was advertising oh if any of you guys want to join us and take some lessons like oh, it's completely free yeah. kind of dip your toes into it like we'll give we'll like lend you the equipment figure it out and i went with them so i went with them at one point you know i'd kind yeah. of already known of i, I already kind of known sid i'd never really met cameron before beforehand but uh, you know we were all kind of centered around that sort of uh, Vic nucleus right yep. and I went with them one time and I had kind of a spectacular time so um, of late actually they've been um, Cameron's been actually like kind of filling out that paperwork trying to get that as an registered as an official Vic club so Victoria College mixed martial arts definitely look out for that in the next couple of months yeah. shout uh, out to Sid and Cameron exactly for <laughs> sure for sure yeah so we've been trying to trying to get that off the ground but beforehand honestly it was just uh, we would go off campus there's a gym that has a, a mixed martial arts gym that has kind of like an open mat session we, and we would kind of uh, kind of do like a semi-structured class work spar you know do a little conditioning it's a, it's, yeah. it's been a great time reminds me we had a uh guy named Theo he runs hey, the, Theo Sokol you know Theo yeah. I'm, I'm familiar yes he's um he's trying to put together a a student fight night at Victoria College mm. related to his his Victoria Pool Society VPS right, so he claimed, right. he's gonna call it VPS box that's what he wants to do right right yeah it's, I think uh, that would be dope as I, shit. I agree I think that would be that would be really something I know Theo is kind of a more uh, traditional British style boxing and he yeah. wants that type of uh, environment there I think that's real interesting but yeah. uh, you know I, I'd be I'd be very excited to see what that would turn into but we'll see if he could pull it off that's a big feat I, if Victoria College somehow would allow, allow it. it yeah that's a big thing right because you know we're a university in the day and it's like that yeah. like boxing is like it's, just like it's blood sport in the day it's great stuff but you know and you can learn a lot of good things but a lot of people are very averse to the actual hitting and fighting and the violence that comes right. with it right like I think one of the things that I don't know if I saw bits and pieces of that podcast with Theo, yeah. but uh, I don't know. So maybe something he hasn't considered, right? Which I think kind of interesting is the fact that you know North America is not just is very not really focused on boxing. Sure, that's kind of our traditional sport in certain ways, like Americans and Mexicans yeah. and Canadians to some degree are big on boxing and wrestling, traditional. But we have a big Asian martial arts population here, right? So we have a lot of guys who they don't just box. It's going to be Thai boxing, like Muay True. Thai. It's going to be Kung Fu, all this type of stuff. Jiu Jitsu, for example, like yeah. Brazilian and otherwise Judo, all that type of stuff, right? It reminds me a bit of the, the kind of the origins of UFC. 
right? The ultimate fighting. What fighting style works the best? So, yeah. you know, I can see I can see the boxing thing working really well, but I think there's a lot of guys who, you know, they want to be able to kick and jump and do all that other type of stuff that, yeah. you know, I think that could that would be insane to see. I don't know if that I think Vic especially wouldn't like that. No, but, uh, no, definitely not. <laughs> but, uh, They're uh, yeah, no, maybe I don't know if they heard about the Theo's plans or anything, but they might be on his ass too. <laughs> yeah, no, it's unfortunate, but the, I, I'd love to see it. it would be, yeah, no, it would be it would be sick. I just re- realized the other day, the so the Vic Registrar follows VOB. Really, so they yeah. follow the podcasts, and they followed it super early on, and I was like so excited yeah, yeah. when they did. I'm like, no way, Vic Registrar, and then eventually started to think about it more when Theo started talking about VPS boxes. When I realized they're following me. To make sure that to to kind of spy and and see what's going to be going on here yeah, in this yeah. college. Well, you know, it's it's smart of them, honestly. Like, <laughs> it's, it's smart it's, of them. It's, yeah, they're just making sure they're yeah. keeping a good eye. Exactly. They are. I bet they already have the paperwork for like VPS like typed up. It's like you know they're like an already. Yeah. It's like yeah, we we know we know about this. Exactly. Known, yeah, we so. we saw episode nineteen. <laughs> yeah. No, for that's sure, for sure. that's funny. I I want to get into boxing. I really do. Any yeah. sort of any sort of fighting style. I did karate at. At age 14. I did for four years. Hmm. Um, how much fighting did I really learn from it? I, I got a lot of skills. You know, discipline comes from karate, absolutely. Exactly. I can use nunchucks, which is a good party skill. That's right? very nice. That's very nice. <laughs> you look like a ninja. I don't know how much practicality it actually has in the real world. It can scare some people off, right? Oh, for you pull, sure. Do some oh, spins. for sure. For sure. It's crazy. <laughs> like, yeah, no. You don't, know, you don't know what people might know. But, uh, but, yeah, no, the reason... Yeah, I want to get into boxing just because... It's, it's it's primal. I feel like I feel like you need to as a if if you want to defend anybody, how are you going to walk through the streets and just not know how to fight? Yeah, no, I think that's like a, I think that's a fair thing, especially considering kind of Canadian laws with self defense. You know, I'm I'm very happy that we live in a society where people aren't uh, you know carrying guns all the time. That is uh, there's a there's a saying that people like to have, and I've heard this kind of idea that like you know an armed society is a polite society. So if everyone has guns, no one's going to shoot each other. But I think. Like, if everyone has guns, it's the people who are going to have the guns who are going to be the ones intimidating. And there's that, like, heightened element of danger, right? You're walking right. down the street at night. It's no longer, am I going to get mugged? It's, am I going to get shot? Right. And, like, you know, that's a fear that I don't think we should we should have to worry about. But right. being able to defend yourself, I totally agree, is definitely something that everyone should, the skill everyone should have, especially uh, especially people who are a bit more vulnerable in that respect, whether they have, like, you know, some of a physical limitation or some yep. other reason why they may, might be preyed on a bit more. So. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And it's interesting... The gun argument is, is super interesting because, once again, it doesn't really apply to Canadian politics, if you want to say that. Yes. Um, because, like, I, I don't even, I'm not too sure what my opinion on it is. I think it's very cultural. I think it's very cultural. I think in Canada it works, the, the gun laws here. Mm-hmm. And in the States, I think that it's not perfect. But I do think you'd have a lot of trouble trying to convert them to a Canadian system. Exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if it would work. And I was talking to my cousin. She goes to college in the states. Mm. Um, she's Canadian, but she she went international. Mm. And she was basically talking about. She was asking someone at her school. She's like, "Why? What happens if some like anyone could shoot someone right now? Everyone has guns. Like a bu- every, It's on campus. You're allowed guns. Conceal yeah. and carry school, right? Jesus Christ. Crazy, right? What is this Kent State or? It's uh, no. It's uh, in Virginia. Oh. Liberty University. Oh. Yeah. Everyone. So she's like. She's like. Like, what stops this guy? across the row from pulling out a gun and killing me right now. And the basic premise of all of it is if anyone wanted to commit murder, they would be committing a murder-suicide at the same time. You can't kill someone without 20 other people around you pulling their gun out and killing you next. That's the whole point. 
Yeah, that's uh, that's certainly heavy. And I mean, I think uh, the the media refers to that as like the uh, the good guy with a gun argument, right? And I think we've that does happen occasionally. And I've uh, you know we've seen it in the news in certain respects, whether we like one guy tackles a gunman and stops him from killing people. But at the same time, it's like you know with the with the prevalence of mass shootings, especially with the way that people react to the school shootings, mass shootings, whatever it happens to be, yeah. it's like oftentimes you just can't. Uh, you, you can't. It's just it's just kind of like overwhelming firepower that takes out 20, 30 people yeah. before the police or anyone can actually like, you know, can I kind of get the guy like, uh, 100%. like that, that is true. Like uh, back in uh, 2017, I remember hearing this uh, ages ago, right? There was uh, that uh, shooting in Las Vegas. A lot of people lost their lives at a country concert. Yep. And there was this uh, Internet personality called uh, Dan, Dan Bilzerian, right? Oh, I know Who, Dan. Yeah, you know Dan. Everybody, I don't I don't watch him. I know yeah, him. Love, many people know of Dan, a uh, yeah, gambler yeah. by trade, loves to surround himself with lots of women. And it's uh, one of those types of guys. Yeah. But uh, I remember him. I remember apparently during that time he was taking Instagram videos himself, saying, "Oh, there's a shooting happening at that concert. I'm gonna go get my gun." It's like, yeah, the guy had a gun in his car. It's like end of the day, even if it had that on him, what is that? What is he gonna do? People aren't Rambo, you know. This is right. this is like this is planned murder we're talking about. It's not a really a random thing. It's uh, yeah, yeah no. That's a good point. It's, uh, yeah, it's a difficult thing to kind of. I don't think the Americans are ever truly gonna come around because. They're such a polarized country, it just kind of makes me upset to witness it sometimes, but uh, hopefully at some point we can kind of get some, kind of find a decent medium and sort of make sure that people's lives aren't at stake in the same way. Yeah, yeah, 100%. It's, uh, it's, it's super interesting, and obviously I'm not American. I don't know much about how the culture works there. Hmm. There's, no, there's no denying the numbers just in terms of the pure killings that happen from guns, right? What the solution is, I don't know, but it's interesting. Oh. Yeah, no, I think, uh, well, even like back in the day, I only have kind of like an like, you know, some amateur history in this regard, right? So yeah. back in the day, there were a lot more, there have been successive attempts to kind of limit gun ownership, but some of them kind of go out of fashion and they expire. Like before the 30s, as far as I'm concerned, you civilians were able to own basically anything. That was kind of the idea beforehand. But at that point, you start to get like really prevalent automatic weapons. You know, by this point, you've already had like revolvers that can like, you know, put a lot of lead down range real quick. Yeah. So limited in the 30s, limited in the 80s. From what, I, from what I remember, 90s with Clinton, but a lot of that assault weapon ban, that expired recently, right? And that's kind of coming around this very militarized time with 9-11, the Iraq war, where a lot of people are now thinking, oh, I want a gun because we're kind of in, or at least 20 years ago, kind of in this warlike state. And I feel right. like that type of mentality sort of continued up until this point. Right. And I think a lot of people also have it for the reason of government tyranny, because that, that's another thing you could look at history and see right before, right before a leader or a government went completely absurd and corrupt, they, the first plan you had to do was make sure that none of the civilians had the guns. Exactly. Which is, once again, I'm not, I'm not taking a side. I don't know enough about this issue, but sure. it's, the, both arguments are, are really interesting to, to talk about. Um, before you got here, actually, this is a mess, sorry, by the way. This whole table's hey, destroyed. Don't, don't worry about we it. We had a bunch so of people we, for- We're in college, it's fine. We're exactly, yeah, it's off camera. No, <laughs> nothing to worry about. Exactly, exactly. You, um, you all saw nothing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We, we had a bunch of people over for lunch. I was asking anyone if they had questions for you, mm. for, uh, for Julian here on the pod. We had one guy mm. who wanted to know if you could rank your uh, top Kanye albums. My top Kanye albums, are. <laughs> do you know sure. Kanye? Do you listen I, to Kanye? I'm, I'm familiar with Mr. West. You know West. Kanye. Yeah, yeah, I know Kanye. So, I mean, obviously, yay, I'll, throw, yay, I'll, I'll, throw, I'll throw out, like, the disclaimer, obviously. Like, Kanye has always been a very unstable individual, but some of his recent stuff, you know, obviously, the anti-Semitism, like, I firmly condone all that behavior. And I, right. it sounds very, re like, rehearsed and such, but, you know, I like the guy's music, but him as a person, the recent stuff, very unapologetic. I just can't stand with that behavior. Right. But that's...
that said, if you want to just kind of talk about the music that he's made, right. um, we're talking about what, a top five or just overall ranking? Let's do, let's do top five. Top five. That's a good question. All right. We're going to start, uh, you know, we're going to do a no particular order type thing, but I think we're going to start with My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy, right? Okay. To me, that's got some of the best production and the best flow yep. that you see on any album. And a lot of the rock samples that he uses on that are absolutely spectacular. And I think he's one of the first hip-hop artist to lean into the idea i am not a musician i am a rock star i am there are going to be crowds of people chanting my name and that's yeah. kind of what fuels this sort of like narcissism and this megalomania he has pardon, yeah. pardon the cycle babble but yeah i think that despite that kind of causing a lot of problems later down the road i think that's a great album beautiful stuff you know monster power even just beyond the singles gorgeous beautiful it's all yeah. it's a wonderful it's a wonderful album i would then say college dropout College dropout. Yeah, you gotta love college dropout. Yeah. College dropout to me is, uh, you know, Kanye. I think it's that type of. He has a lot of more, uh, say, like uh, more progressive politics on that album. I think that's a lot of the things people kind of they want that era when he was kind of calling out a lot of things about racism and about the government people like that that part of him but it wasn't only that he was delivering a good social message it was that it was delivered on this super ca the super catchy soul beats you know that was really um when he was able to break free of that sort of just producer he was not only that but he rapped over amazing sounds like i yeah. think you can't uh, that's beautiful stuff yeah um Beyond that, you know, I've developed a soft spot for Life of Pablo in like recent, like say, like last like two years, I'll say. Okay. Life of Pablo, I think, is one of his. Uh, you know, it's got some of the highest highs that he's ever kind of been able to reach. You know, like yep. um, one song, "No More Parties in L.A." Have you ever heard "No More Parties"? No. "No More Parties in L.A." is a song where he's. It, I believe it's produced by Madlib or RZA, one of the, uh, one of the two. Uh, both of them are amazing producers. It has Kendrick Lamar on it, and. Okay. Kanye is able to outwrap Kendrick Lamar on that, which is a feat in itself. That yeah. guy won a Pulitzer Prize, and Kanye just sitting in his house, you know, coming up with stuff, was able to perform a, like a technically better performance, in my opinion. It's yeah. beautiful. It kind of covers a lot of the topics of like fame, you know, the rise and fall. It's a lot of very out of touch for the average person, but he talks. He's talking to you as if you're just there with him, and I think it's a it's a one it's a wonderful album overall. Yeah. Um, got uh, I'm a. I don't want to don't, don't want to talk about Kanye the whole time, but we'll do two we'll do two more, I guess. Yeah, um, yeah. Unless unless you're confident with the top three, you know what? Uh, I gotta say those those actually might be the top three. Beyond that, I feel like I'm kind of, I might be sort of grasping at straws. Yeah, but yeah. I will say uh, I will say this: some of his uh, I think some of the aesthetics you see on the more recent albums, the kind of clothes that he was wearing to yeah. accompany that, I think that's always been something I've uh, thought was interesting. Around Donda, the kind of the the theatrics he had with the descending from the stadium, the mask, the spikes, I've always thought that was a very interesting look, but the yeah. music, not, not my cup of tea. So that's your, well, that's your top three. For that's a good top three. So Mark will be happy. There you go. Mark will be happy. We'll get him that list. No. You say a lot of it was 90s rap, not to circle back to rap or anything. I yeah, just, for sure, no. I mean... Um, do you listen to like modern day stuff, any current day stuff? Yeah, I do, I do. I th that was definitely, I, uh, I found out about hip hop kind of in a very, say like purist elitist culture and I didn't yeah. like that. A lot of people were like, oh, I need, we need to have Biggie and that Tupac. Like there was the, the great guys, like and they yeah. were acting like anything made after the year 1999 was like, was crap. But yeah. I think I am, I am very past that. It's taken me some time, but I'm, I'm happy that I've kind of found a new appreciation for a lot of the modern production and music and just lyrics that are able to come from that so yeah. i mean some like modern favorites uh, that's been like uh, denzel curry uh, joey badass even though he's uh his output's been a little less in the past recent years uh someone from the 2010s who i've come to really love is a guy called capital steez Capital so, Steez. Is this an underground guy? Or? Well, it's, he's underground because he's, he's dead. That's, oh, okay. Uh, so it's a regretful thing. Go. But uh, he was kind of uh, one of the big what-ifs, in my opinion, Capital Steez. Like, he uh, he was coming out of this kind of uh, New York renaissance, and he was about 18, and he had this 
he had some amazing, you know, really good mixtapes. Like he had an, a beautiful flow. He talked about things he cared about. He's such passion in his lyrics. But I, he regretfully died at 18, so even younger than myself. So yeah. it's an unfortunate thing. And I listen to his music, and I really see so much potential. It's just, uh, it's very unfortunate. But yeah. people yeah. shit on me all the time. I think Juice World is great. That's that's, that's got to be, I think, the number one, my favorite rapper. Yeah, more than fair. And have you seen his freestyles? Have you I seen have. Those? I. The freestyles are the insane. Westwood freestyles oh for like over God. an hour. Exactly, the guy just keeps going. And Unreal, does, it's amazing. Like, Eminem praised him. He's like, yeah, "How did he learn it so quickly?" For sure, for sure. I mean, they, at such a young age. Yeah, they even linked up together for God, for uh, Godzilla, right? It's, yeah, uh, yeah. No, Juice World is spectacular. Like in terms of a lot of his melodic stuff, but just technical ability, you can't you can't deny it. Hundred percent. Yeah. No, I like I like hearing your take because you know a lot about like the whole genre as as an entity. I'm really only listening to him in depth. I listen to a few other artists, but in depth, like I'll go to YouTube and search his unreleased stuff. Listen yeah, for to sure. that for two hours. Oh, that's you know great. I mean? That's great. It was, uh, it's really good. And there was a, a documentary about him, about just his whole drug situation and, and mm -hmm. his overdose. And it's, it's just crazy. The wasted talent. Exactly. When you see like, obviously Juice World's just a, a famous example, but just think about how many, how many people out there, how many amazing things could have been done if it weren't for, I mean, drugs in this case, but mm. so many other reasons, right? Yeah, drugs and suicide and kind of keeping up with the pressures of fame. It's like even murder in some cases. Like, yeah. uh, it's, a, it's a really horrible thing, I think. And I don't know, people who, uh, people who achieve that level of stardom, I guess, you're often surrounded by a lot of these pressures. And yeah. a lot of people who kind of made it through that today, are, they're sort of, they're the very lucky ones. Like, you look at, like, the Beatles, like, uh, Elvis was on meth. Like yeah. a lot of people were on meth back in the fifties, right? right? They like a lot of people. They were they were doing like crazy drugs just to stay awake. And regretfully, just nowadays, that kind of mixed in with like you know opioids and all that stuff. It gets uh, it gets really dangerous. Yeah. So you know, it's uh, it's been a long long standing problem. Does anything attract you to that stardom? Like if you personally could could go get fame right now yeah. and chase fame, is that something that would interest you? Well, if they were selling it down the street, I mean, I'd probably I'd probably give it a taste. I think, but uh, I think fame overall is. In a lot of respects, it's more hassle than it's worth. I think mean, most people nowadays would say they prefer the money to the fame. Right. But I think I was talking about this with a friend of mine, also from Victoria. Um, we were talking about the kind of the rock star fantasy, and I think like regardless of who you are, I, it makes a lot of sense to have that. I think like it's something I often like. I I guess I often kind of end up daydreaming about sometimes. It's like uh, you know when you when you hear a really good piece of music, I can almost like imagine myself performing this and hearing the crowd of people. You yeah. know, just the kind of uh, the admiration that they have for their these artists that they love. Like I think it's, there's definitely something enticing about that. But if I you know stepping back from it, I don't think it's I don't think it's a good situation because you are such a public figure. You don't have peace and you don't have privacy. Yeah. And I honestly, at the end of the day, the thing I value the most in this world is being able to go to bed and just like sleep without that interruption. I think that there's a natural give and take balance in every person's life. Hmm. So when we talk about extremely famous people who there's a bunch of negatives to being famous, but there's obviously clear positives, I think, as well to being famous. And I think that the amount of struggle that you're going to face often can link to the amount of success that you're going to face. Hmm. So if you really want to be famous and you really want to have thousands of people chanting your name at a concert, it's going to come at a price. There's going to be a lot of shit that you got to deal with. If you want a more relaxing, less stressful life, you can have that. There's not going to be people trying to dox you all the time. There's not gonna be hate comments in your feed every day. That's, that's perfectly fine. But there are also other struggles that people who are less successful are gonna have to go through.
Yeah, for sure. No, I, I agree. You, you have a lot less, uh, despite your life no longer being your life, it's not private anymore. You kind of, you're insulated from a lot of like rise and fall. Just the basis of your face to your name, you can make money just off of that and just yeah. kind of gain a lot of security, which is kind of insane to think yeah. about, but yeah, no, it exists. Like, uh, I think a good happy medium, I think, is being like locally known or like, locally uh, known, locally known, popular, but not famous, if that makes sense. Right. That's, that's a good way to put it. Like, uh, you know, I think you uh, being like a, a regular at a coffee shop, for example. Right. You're not famous, but yeah, yeah you're going to get you, you know, every fifth or sixth drink, the barista will wink at you and just pass it to you. You know, you, you, uh, you know, you get some better treatment. You can kind of banter with the regulars. You have some say over the menu. Yeah. That's like kind of being the, the king of your little kingdom or whatever, the celebrity of your of your minor Hollywood. I think that's that's probably what most people want. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And another thing that's actually super interesting to think about is what are people trying to be famous for? I think that's a very good question because a lot of people say, when people say they want to be famous, what do you want to be famous for? Like I see some of these, no offense to Twitch streamers or people who love Twitch, but I see some of these guys on Twitch who have millions of followers and basically do jack shit every day, right? Mm -hmm. No offense. Once again, no offense. I already, I'm I, making that clear. I, I don't. I don't stream. I'm not a fan. Yeah. Okay. So I. I don't think I'd want to be known for that. I wouldn't want to be known as the famous streamer who sits on a computer and plays video games all day. Yeah. No. That's fair. I think like. I think in those situations, it's kind of like. Uh, it's nice if you're someone who genuinely has a passion for video games or, or that kind of community and then you right. can kind of make money off that. But yeah, like a lot of people I'll see it nowadays, like, you know, like Speed or like Kai Sinat. Man, I don't, yeah. again, I don't watch these people, but I, I see clips on YouTube and it's like, you know, you're even like, even uh, Jake and Logan Paul back in the day before right, they right, had right. some more established careers, they were like, they were like, what, setting stuff on fire, you <laughs> know, like just destroying computers. It's like, what are you, like, what are you doing? Why is that fulfilling to you? Like, you 100%. know, it's, it's weird. It's, inter it's internet celebrity culture. It's very strange to that's right yeah and, and sometimes i'll think like just for ideas to grow the podcast even i'll mm -hmm. think like oh maybe i can go on the street of u of t and do these like little interviews that they mm -hmm. do like what would you rate yourself on a scale of one to ten yeah. you know you know those things exactly. you've seen those clips yeah, of course of course i was thinking of doing that stuff but like i i don't i'm not trying to be known for that exactly i i enjoyed having a podcast i enjoy talking to people this conversation's been great yeah. likewise and yeah I, I i don't know i don't want to be very gimmicky that you have to be careful. Yeah. Yes, you want to grow the podcast, but what do you want to be known for? Like, what clip is going to blow up? Is it going to be the one of you on the street being a jackass, or is it going to be the one of you in a conversation talking about important topics? Exactly. Right. Like, it's a yeah, it's a it's a weird thing. A lot of people look down upon those like street interview guys. They're like, oh, you guys are kind of like you guys are you guys are becoming famous, kind of doing nothing. Yeah. You know, leech, kind of leeching off. I don't want to say leeching, but you're just. You're not really adding anything to society. You're not talking about something interesting. So I, I kind of applaud you for not wanting to take the uh, the easy route, right? right. And like, I think another big thing people love to do, they love to have controversial people, which is always, yeah. you know, I has its pros and cons, but like a lot of guys, they'll have like, you know, Ben Shapiro or Donald Trump on a podcast and yeah. kind of let them say something like, like ridiculous <laughs> and cite some type of like, you know, just like let them spout some type of pseudoscientific nonsense, like all oh, yeah. this thing about women, this thing about these people. It's like... Yeah. You know, it, it's unfortunate. Yeah, it does make you famous and it gives you kind of like a limelight, but like you're, you're lowering yourself and you're kind of your standards. It's not a, not a journalist, I should say, but as a, as a, a personality, I think. Like, Yeah, a division is a very good way to gain followers. Oh, for sure. That's for sure. Because you're going you're gonna to create a line between the people who agree with you, who now love you way more because mm -hmm. you're on their side, exactly. and the people who now despise you because you don't stand with them. And both sides are giving you attention. 
Exactly. The people who love you are like, oh, this guy's great. And the people that hate you can't stop talking about how terrible you are. But you don't like the person, so you talk about it and express it's crazy. it. crazy. Yeah, I know. It's crazy. Yeah. It's been a great episode. Yeah, Do you have any final thoughts here for, for the viewers at home? If you're a Victoria or not, you know, uh, work on that community. Make sure you've got good people around you because, uh, you know, university is not easy. So it can be a hard time for a lot of people. So, you know, having uh, people to lean on is probably the best thing you can do for yourself. I'll leave it at that. Appreciate it very much. Alrighty. Julian, thank you for coming on. Care, it's Julian Apolinario. Thank you. And this has been Voices of Vic. Voices of Vic, that's right. Follow on Instagram, TikTok, at Voices of Vic. Subscribe, like the episode. It was great. Julian, great guest. I yeah, appreciate it, man. Thank you. It's been and a wonderful time. Amazing. We'll see you next Sunday. Peace out.